My name is Rich. If you're a first-time guest, I am not. The, the pastor of John's here, and he's allowed me to come on this, uh, this last day of 2023 to uh, open up the Word. Let's talk about what God has done in our lives this past year, because if we remember what He has done, we can look forward to what He's going to be doing in our lives. Amen? Amen. It's good to see everyone here in one service. Uh, if, you're new to, if you're new to us, uh, we usually have a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, but today we're just doing one service, so it's, it's good to see almost two different churches coming together. It's beautiful. It's good to see you all. Welcome. Hey, uh, since it is New Year's, I, wanna, I, w- I want you to do a little drill with me. Take out your phones, take out a piece of paper, something to write with, or if you don't have any notes on your phones, just shoot a text to yourself, because I know you're texting your friends right now anyway, so go ahead and text yourself this. I have, I have some questions for you. I want you to think about, I want you to ponder about what God has been doing in your life this year, and we look into the text, and we're going to see how we can, we can weave those things together for next year. So first question I want you to, to write down, and maybe share this with your family or your loved one or your mom back home when you're on your way home today. What was your biggest blessing that you encountered this past year? Go ahead and write it down. What was your biggest blessing? It's not a pop quiz. No one's going to read it. It's just between you and God. What was your biggest blessing? Now I want you to write down, what was your chief challenge? What was the most challenging thing you experienced this year? The next question is a yes or no. In both of those, in your blessing and your biggest challenge, yes or no, did you thank God in both of those? Did you thank God through both of those? In other words, did we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty no matter what happens? Now, that one may be a challenge to answer because it is for me. Uh, I've come up with these questions. They were beating me up all week. But what was your biggest challenge? What was your biggest blessing? And can you thank God in both of those? And now let's talk about the new year, the last question. Think back to uh, this time last year, beginning of January 2023. What was your New Year's resolution? Does anybody remember it? Anybody? Show of hands. Who remembers your New Year's resolution for 2023? Some of you all. (laughs) Yeah, because we forget them, don't we? I mean, y'all seen this, 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 this statistics. Uh, gym memberships go up crazy in January, and then they decline off throughout the rest of the year, right? Why is that? Why do we struggle with that? Why do we struggle with commitment? We like to, most of our New Year's resolutions are to stop something or to start something. Stop eating bad things, stop drinking so much, stop, stop lying, stop cheating, and start being more moral, right? Get in better shape, treat people differently. Maybe talk to talk about children different. But that kind of wanes off over, over the year because of time and because of our hearts. So today I want to talk about a couple of things. I want you to see in the psalm we're getting ready to read together. Heather introduced this Psalm 93, and we see the throne of God. We see his majesty, but that's actually the precursor to our text because as you're looking through your phones or your Bibles, I want you to find Psalm 111. We're going to read it together. I wanted to set the scene for Psalm 111 by seeing God on his throne high and lifted up because that's what I want to do in 2024. I want to see my God 
high and lifted up. I want to see him on the throne, not me. Because I don't fulfill those New Year's resolutions because they're all about me. My New, my New Year's resolution, I want to be about giving glory to God. Because there's promises in that. There's assurance in that. So let's talk about this new year. We're going to read Psalm uh, 111. As I said, ancient Hebrew poetry. The Hebrews today, the, Israel, the, the Jews today, they, they celebrate uh, New Year's on a different day. Their calendar's a little bit different. It's called Rosh Hashanah. And on that day, the beginning of the year, they dedicate that day in their, in their worship service to thanking God for what he did in the last year and then looking forward to what he's going to do in the following year and how they can come into God's plan. So often we have our own plan and we try to fit God into our plan. So let's do it a little bit different this year. Let's follow, let's follow us, our Jewish brothers, and say, let's, let's get God, let's look at his plan, and let's go into that plan and see where he takes us. It's interesting Rosh Hashanah starts, they start out the new year. What do they do next? Seven days later, they celebrate the high holy day of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is literally the day of redemption, the day of reconciliation, the day of salvation. And it's celebrating the day, they're remembering when God rescued them out of Egypt. We've just walked through, it, through uh, Exodus. And we're we're going to look at a lot of these little things from Exodus. We're going to filter into this psalm. So Yom Kippur is the rescue but it's also, if you remember, towards the end of our Exodus series, they're at the mountain where God's, God's glory went to the mountain and, and Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. He comes down and they had they gotten bored and they made this golden calf. Y'all remember that part? They made an idol. So here they are, been rescued out. God has preserved them through the wilderness. And just a very short time later, they're starting to worship something that they've created. Moses comes down, they had this long conversation with God and Moses, and, and God says, come on back up, Moses. Moses comes back up on the mountain, he gives them the law again, and when he comes down, Moses says, God has forgiven us. That's also the day of atonement, the forgiveness time period. So the Jews, from New Year's, they start their week off, and they start confessing their sins, and they go to church, and they come together, and they and they, they believe that they cannot have forgiveness unless they settle all of their relational problems they have in life. Jesus kind of talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've got to fix, you fix the, the strife between you before you can worship me properly. It's a picture back to this time. So Yom Kippur, Moses coming down from the mountain. And then right after that, they go into another holiday. And it's called the Festival of the Tabernacles or the Festival of Booths. And here they're celebrating, they're remembering when God brought them out of Egypt. And he brings them to the mountain, and they were going through the desert, and they had to live in basically out in the wilderness, out in the woods. So they, had, they didn't have tents. They didn't have those nice you know, backpacking tents or anything, so they had to build shelter. And so what they do the last couple of days of this festival, which is right after Yom Kippur, right after they confess their sin, they build these shelters, and they, and they cook meals that, were, that remind them of that wilderness journey. And they sleep outside to remind them of their heritage, of what God has done in their lives. And then the next festival, which is right after that, is the, the receiving of the Torah. And they have this worship service where they read the Ten Commandments. Several weeks ago, I was able to walk through that with you. And in that service, it's the picture of uh, Moses coming down, forgiving them on Yom Kippur. He hands them the book of the law. He hands them his word, and he says, now worship, and worship me and read this, and now apply it to your lives. If you're here for that, ser that service, remember that it's not just ten rules. This is, this is ten ethical systems of how we interact with one another 
and how we honor this God who is our king in his majesty. So today, I want you to keep all that in mind. If you're here through Exodus, think about all the things that, that, that happened with this, this young nation as they're going through, the, going rescued out of Egypt, down to Mount Sinai. And then the part we haven't gotten to yet was just in Joshua, when he does bring them into the promised land, the land that he says that he's reserved for them, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land that has prosperity for them, for them to thrive so they can continue to honor his name. Keep all that in mind as we read the psalm in a few minutes. The main idea, what I want you to get out today, the end of 2023, some of you all may have had trouble finding that blessing. That's okay. Because the greatness of God, the greatness of God assures a certain future for all who love him and know him. Assures a certain future. Now, there's a caveat there. This depends upon who your God is. If, it is, if you see the one true God, the Yahweh, as your God, and you see him on that throne, then no matter what happens in the next year, the valleys and the highs, it doesn't matter. Your, your future is assured with your king because it is the majesty of God. That's why I wanted to read Psalm, Psalm 93 to talk about it. I read a little bit about Isaiah during my prayer, but it's also referenced very similar by by Ezekiel and Daniel and John in the book of Revelation. You see the same picture of this majesty, this glory of God that's, that's indescribable. But we try to describe it, but there will be a day. There will be a day if we know Christ that we will experience exactly what they did forever. So the greatness of God assures that certain future for each one of us. But we have a problem. I was driving around the other day uh, going going back and forth to work, and I often see these vehicles, and maybe it's one of yours, so if it's yours, don't, don't tell me it is. But I see, I see these vehicles on the back of their, the back of the vehicle that has all these stickers and posters and all this kind of stuff, and it's, and it's usually not about Psalm 93 is my favorite song. It's usually not, man, I really, really love the book of Philemon. It's usually like, go Pats. Uh, name your favorite sports team. So shout it out. The Chiefs. Who else? The Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Okay, so it's all this, right? I saw a car the other day. It was hilarious. There was a line down the middle of this SUV. On one side, it said, go Pats. The other side, it said, Giants. Now, for you football fans, you see a house divided there, right? There's a family that's divided, and they can't figure out which one they like. So apparently, whoever's in the passenger side likes, or is from Philadelphia. And who's from the other side is wherever New England is, who everyone claims that, that team. But they have a house divided. Well, that's also a picture of our heart. We have a heart divided. And you're going to see in Psalm 111, verse number 1, God says, I want your whole heart. And we're going to look and see what that might look like in us. But what's he talking about, this heart? When we read, read heart in Scripture, it's really talking about not just that, obviously, that beating organ in your chest that keeps you alive, keeps the blood flowing, but this is the center of your mind. It's your volition. It's where your spirit is. It's where the, the religious convictions are. It's the knowledge of right and wrong. It's your conscience. That's the understanding of heart. It's your whole being is your heart, and God wants all of that. He doesn't want just part of it. But for most of us, we struggle with that, honestly. Because if you're really, really dedicated, you're going to have a little quiet time and pray every day. 
and then you're going to go off the rest of your day, and a lot of times they're like, oh, what was that I read? You forget it. Now, it's not, God's saying your whole heart is not reading your scripture all day long and becoming a hermit, but God is saying, I need your heart to align with me each and every day. It's a, it's a renewal every day because we live on this side of the garden. This is the bad side of the garden, and we haven't gotten into heaven yet. And he says, this is what we struggle with, and I need you to, to commune with me so that I can develop your heart. But here's the problem. This is what Jeremiah, let's bring the Jeremiah up. You all, some of you all have seen this verse. This is really encouraging. Your heart, the center of who you are, is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah is torn. He's like, it's kind of like Paul says, I know the things I want to do, but the things I do I don't want to do. But the things I do, I really want to do them. But it's the sin that reigns in my body. And each one of us struggles through that. But here's the thing. Here's the good news. Here's what I've learned through my life. Jesus is the greatest cardiologist ever. But you've got to take that appointment. You've got to go see him. And you've got to do the things that he's telling us to do so that he can fix that heart problem. So if you would, open up your Bibles, go to your phone, scroll to it, go to Psalm 111. We're going to read this together. I'm going to ask Brooke to come up. She's going to help me. And we're going to go back to a uh, kind of what I grew up with in my denomination uh, where I grew up. We do a lot of responsive reading. We're going to read Psalm 111, the entire psalm, together responsibly. Responsibly, not responsibly. Uh, hopefully it's responsibly. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we do, right, Brooke? Um, and what I'm going to do, we're going to put it up here. I'm going to read the, the black letters. Brooke is going to lead you in leading the red. So... Think about not just reading the words, but think about what we're saying here, what this psalm is saying. And before we start off, I'm going to explain that first word. Who, who, who here has ever heard the word hallelujah before? Yeah, right? Yeah, hallelujah. What does it mean? It's, a, it's, two, it's two Hebrew words, hale, which is to proclaim, to exclaim, to boast out. It's, it's in, used only in a religious service. This is not... Hallelujah in the past. This is Halle screaming, boasting on the divine. And the Yah portion of it at the end is short for Yahweh. So it's boasting on Yahweh when you say this word. These, uh, Psalm 111 and Psalm 12, they're, they're, I want to encourage you this week for your devotion, which we're going to talk about later. Read Psalm 112. They go together. And they lead us into these Hallelujah Psalms, Psalm 113 through 118 which is what the Jews today read during these high holy days I just talked about. So this is the precursor. This is almost kind of like the, uh, the pre-game warm-up going into these services. So we're going we're gonna to do some pre-game. Y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Here we are. We'll kick it off. You ready? ready. You ready? She's ready. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with all my heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation... The Lord's works are great. Studied by all who delight in them. All that he does is splendid and majestic. His righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has provided food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works. 
giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his instructions are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever. And acted in truth and in what is right. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures, endures forever. forever. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. One thing I wanted to, want you to notice here, did you see in here some movements? Did you see some, some things that God is doing in these scriptures? Did you pick up any of the things that he was doing in, in Exodus with, with the Hebrews? His rescue, his redemption, his reconciliation, his deliverance of them, and also the perseverance for, given to them through the wilderness. Did you notice anything in here about his character? Did you see Jesus in here? If you missed some of those, we're going to walk through them. We're going to point it out. So the first thing I want you to see the psalm shows who God is and what he does. The first point I want you to see as we walk through this is the works of God, they reveal his power and his love for you. His power and his love. If you notice almost every verse, there's 10 verses, it's 20 lines, and almost every one of them speaks to something God has done or is doing by his power of his hand. Remember, this is the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. This is the almighty God who also created the atoms and the atoms and the particles inside those atoms that make the blood flow through your body. That is the same God who's doing wonderful things here. So let's, I'll walk through this very quickly. Uh, verse 2, his, his works here, they're described as great. They're remarkable. They're not just normal things, someone doing things outside. These are wonderful creations that he's doing. Verse 3 describes its splendor and his majesty. We read about his, his sitting on the throne and his majestic robe. This is the same power and glory and beauty of which he is doing everything he's doing. It's honor. Number four, his wonderful works, they're supernatural. How many of y'all remember miracles? That's, what he, that's why we see those all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, because they're memorable. They strike a chord with us. They're supernatural. They only can be done by God. Verse 5, he talks about providing food. So as the Israelites came out of Egypt, he provided food. He provided the manna, that beautiful bread that we talked about, that is the bread of life of Christ. He, he's, it's divine care and provision for us. Verse 6, again, powerful. Not just power, but this talks about endurance. It talks about strength. When we think of, of, of athletes, you've got really, really strong weightlifters. You've got great swimmers, and you've got great marathoners. But you take a marathoner, and you start having them do squats, they're not going to go that, do that well. Or you take a powerlifter, you have them run a marathon, they're not going to do that well. God can do it all. Everything he does is the best of everybody, or everything, anything you could think of. Verse 7, the works of his hands are truth and justice. I like this because he's not just some ethereal being that's, that's detached from us. This is very personal. Everything he does with his hands is created for you. It's a personal touch, like a craftsman. And what is that craft? 
he is making. What is that beautiful sculpture that God is designing and building for us? It's truth, and it's justice. It's righteousness. It's also, it's sure. It's not fickle. It's not someone who does something and says, yeah, I get tired of that. I'll go over here and do something else. God says, no, this is truth. It's beautiful. Verse 8, they, his works, are established forever and ever. They're eternal. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the law will be fulfilled to the last little, he used the word iota or yod. And what he's talking about there is God's word will be fulfilled to the least little smallest letters in the Greek and the Hebrew. Even those small little points, God has designed each one of those to be beautiful and be fulfilled. In verse 9, it says, He sent redemption to his people, and he ordained his covenant forever. I almost spent this, wrote this entire sermon on that verse right there, because we could spend a whole t- lot of time on that. But I want you to see the bigger picture. Yes, he sent redemption to his people to come out of Israel, or come out of Egypt, and through the desert into his promised land. But he's also sent Jesus is our redemption. He has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He's provided for us. And that covenant, uh, which we could talk about again a lot, but his covenant, his promise that he cut with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David, he keeps renewing it through time, will be established forever. God cares about you. This psalm is showing us that his love moves his hand to mighty works. In order that, it's purposeful to bring you to that verse right there, verse number nine, to be rescued and redeemed. So what is a response for us? Go back to verse two, if you could. Verse two, because of his greatness, because of his beauty, he's calling us to to be, that his works are great to be studied, in verse two, with all, by all who delight in them. Study them, spend time in them, walk with them, immerse yourself in them. As I said, God created that, the, the cosmos, as we try to figure out, our, our uh, astronomers try to figure out how big is this, this universe, and they still can't see the end of it. They still can't measure it. Think about our, our own solar system. When you, when you studied, anybody remember studying that in general science? Our solar system, a tiny little solar system, which is huge to us. It's just one solar system in our galaxy, and our galaxy is one in a million of galaxies. So it speaks, it screams out that God's infinite power of how big he is. But also, as I said a minute ago, how detailed he is as we peer down into subatomic particles, little solar systems that create cells, that create us, create everything around us. That's the glory of our God and the precision of which he does things. And he says, go study these things. Dig into them and see how great I am. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, I was reading one of his commentaries on this, and he says, this is so good. They, meaning us, We perceive that there is more in them, God's works, than appears on the surface. And therefore, they bend their minds to study and understand them. They bend their minds to study them. They devote natural, the devout naturalist ransacks nature. The earnest study student of history pries into hidden facts and dark stories. And the man of God digs into the minds of Scripture and unearths each grain of its golden truth. 
I don't know about you all, but when, when I came to love, love God and love Jesus, and I start reading his word, and I start digging into scripture, sometimes I get lost because I start going down an area. It takes me to another, to another area, another area, another area, another area, and before I know I'm way down this rabbit hole, and I'm off topic, but it's beautiful. It is awesome. And then when I do that with other people, I see other facets of that beauty of that gem that I found. And they go, hey, do you consider this? I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. So when you spend time in God's word, which I encourage you to do at the end, spend time looking at different facets with other people. Because just reading words on a paper is not going to change your heart. What's going to change your heart is the Holy Spirit illuminating God's word for you. That's what, that's what Spurgeon's talking about, looking for those golden nuggets of truth. I'm going to assume that probably every one of you has a hobby or an interest out there. Is that true? I do. Uh, sometimes, though, uh, I, can, I can get into something I really like, and I'll do the same thing. It's kind of like, a, I don't know, if most of you all probably don't remember when the, inter- the Internet was invented. I do. And I remember the first time I got on it, and I spent hours. I'm like, oh, look what I could find, look what I could find, look what I could find. You find yourself way off in the middle of nowhere. Still haven't found the end of the, end of the Internet. Anybody else? Anybody found it yet? So we can... We can Dig into those things. That's what God wants us to do because he wants us in our crafts and our abilities and the things that he's, he's given you to do in life. He wants you to be the expert in that. But he's saying, don't get lost. Don't get lost in that piece of it. Become an expert. Get lost in me. Let, get yourself lost in me. Be the expert witness for what God has done in your life. So maybe some New Year's, New Year's resolutions for 2024. Actually read your Bible. Let's start with there. Maybe actually read it. We, a lot of us say, yeah, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. But yeah, that's probably not true. I know there's days I miss. But let's try to actually read your Bible. And when you do read it, don't just look at the words. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Say, just illuminate this for me. And then don't be an island. Get with other people. Because sometimes when you, when you listen to the Spirit when you're reading the Word, sometimes it's not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's the spirit of self-gratification. So get with other people to make sure you're rightly reading God's word. Actually pray every day. Sometimes we say we do, but actually do it. Spend time with your Lord and say, God, what would you, what would you have me do today? How would you have me to act? How could I deal with this situation? Let's, let's reach out and, and let's figure out what, what he wants us to do during that day. Let this abiding word that you're reading, change you from the inside out. So much of us, those New Year's resolutions, we're trying to change the outside. We're trying to change something on the outside. Jesus says, hey, Pharisees, you're cleaning up your outside, but the inside of your cup is dirty. How many of y'all have that coworker, maybe the cubicle next to you, they're, they're that coffee snob, and they've got that coffee mug that they never wash? You know what I'm talking about? And they say, oh, if I wash it, it takes out the seasoning. Thinking once you just wash it, that's who we are. We're pretty on the outside, but if you look inside, man, I look at some of my thoughts, I'm like, oh, that's not pretty. So let's let God change that from the inside out instead of trying to fix our outside first. Change from the inside out this year. Psalm 19 talks about this. It's how, do, how do you do this inside out thing? Um, it's one of my favorite psalms. And he's talking about... Uh, towards the end, 
the psalmist is writing about the laws and the precepts and the instruction and the, the uh, what's some other words I've got he uses? But he uses like six words for basically saying God's word. And he says in verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings on the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Start to look and see God's word is this beauty of gold. Imagine if you knew there was a gold bar dug somewhere in your backyard. <gasps> How many of y'all be getting a shovel up after, after church and going to find it? Let's do that with God's word this year. Let's see that the gold bar that it, that it truly is. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask others for help. And be humble and say, I don't know what this means. I don't know where to start. We can help you with that. That's why we have togetherness and community in church. And that's why we have community groups. That's what we do. We dig into God's word. We do it together to hold each other accountable. Okay, so Psalm 111. God's power and his love. The second thing I want you to see is his character reveals his majesty. His character reveals his majesty. One thing I want you to notice, when we read this, this psalm, I read the pieces that talked about what God did and does. You all talked about what you read is who God is and his character. So let's go back to verse 3. He is righteousness. His righteousness endures forever. He has eternal holiness. Verse 4, he is gracious and compassionate. His love is never ending. His compassion never fails. It. Verse 5, he remembers his covenant forever, his faithfulness. John preached about four sermons on faithfulness. He just called it different things through Exodus. God was always, always, always faithful. Verse 6, he has shown his people the power of his works by giving them the inheritance of the nations, part of his covenant. That's his generosity. He is giving us the nations, and he's like, go make disciples. Verse 7, his instructions are trustworthy. He has integrity, and his justice is good. In verse 8, it rolls right into his righteousness and his truth. And then in verse 9, it says, his name is holy and awe-inspiring. I wanted to read the CSB when we read together for two reasons. One, I wanted to talk about this hallelujah, but then also get down to this point where it says his name is awe-inspiring. I think today we use that word awesome, and I use it a lot too. We use it too much, and it's lost its value. It's relatively like, hey, this church is awesome, my truck is awesome, and my hamburger is awesome, and everything's awesome, right? How about let's try to reserve, I've tried to do this, but failed many times, reserve that word for only what God does in our life. Those are awe-inspiring, the CSB says. It's beautiful. The king, the leader, God on the eternal throne, though, as you look at him from Psalm 93, I want you to see that he's not a dictator. He is a benevolent, loving God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have compassion, faithfulness, and generosity, integrity, justice, and his name would not be holy and awesome. He beckons us. He calls us through an intimate relationship, established through Christ, and matured through the Holy Spirit for the indwelling of him into you. In Exodus, we talked about this indwelling of him into this tabernacle. Later, we'll see he indwells into behind the Holy of Holies in the temple. And when Christ died on the cross, that veil split, as we've talked about. 
his presence left. But Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to send another one to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you to indwell in your heart when you accept Christ. That indwelling is now in those who know Christ. Do you see it? Do you see that truth and justice in verse 8 is exactly what he's talking about. Jesus, before he was crucified, they took him to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and they had this conversation. It's very interesting when you read it in John 18. And I, I give credit to, to Dr. Del Tackett. He, he brought this out in the Truth Project. And they have this conversation, and, and Pilate says, so you're a king. And Jesus says, well, yeah, I am a king, but not the, not, not the way you think of it. Jesus says, you say that I am. And then he says the reason he came. Listen to this, verse 18. For this purpose I was born, Jesus. And for this purpose I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth of who he is as God. The one true God, in flesh and spirit, come down to deliver all of us. And he says, everyone who is of the truth, so you see this, listens to my voice. This is the movement to verse 9 where he says, his name is holy and awe-inspiring. The truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That name is a name above every name. Jesus teaches us as we pray to the Father. When his disciples said, how do we pray? He started off with, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. He's, he's modeling for us that, that third commandment in, in the Ten Commandments to protect and honor God's name. He has sent redemption in his covenant forever. So let's review what he did with this beautiful name. Through this psalm, we see this holy name, this holy God, he rescued them from Pharaoh. He delivered them through the waters. He preserved them in the desert. He saved them from his own wrath and he delivered them into the promised land in the book of Joshua. And we, through this name, above all names, have the same access. Through Jesus Christ, he has rescued us from our own sin. He's delivered us to the experience and the power of his hearts, the spiritual birth that he talks about with Nicodemus. He's preserved us through our trials and struggles. Many, some of you all may have struggled with that piece. I had you right at the beginning. What happened in 2023? He's delivered you because you're here today. He saved us by the blood of Christ, continuing that covenant that he reestablishes. Jeremiah says, I'll make a new covenant with you. I'll remember your sin no more, and that's through Christ. And he delivered us into the promised land, a land of freedom, so that we would go out and serve and thrive under the Holy Spirit. This holy name is a name above all names. He speaks of himself in Isaiah. Isaiah 45, he says, God, this is God speaking through Isaiah. But by myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return, to every knee shall bow. Every tongue swear allegiance. And Paul picks this up in Philippians after a beautiful Christological verse in chapter 2. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. This is the holy name that he's speaking about in verse 11. Do you see Jesus? I'm sorry, verse 9. Do you see Jesus 
in Psalm 111. I hope you do. So here's my question for you. As we're trying to align our hearts with God, as we're trying to develop this character and nature who wants to follow him, not be divided, how often do you put yourself on that throne? And how often do we treat God more like the answer to a 911 operator? When things get bad, I'll call God. When things are good, I got it. Sometimes we treat God like that 911 and Jesus is the ambulance driver and the Holy Spirit is that O2 bottle. We only need when we really need it, right? How about this year we make it different? How about this year, 2024, we decide we're going to let God be our coach, we're going to let him be our mentor, we're going to let him be our counselor, our confidant, our hope, our savior, our priest, and our king. Let's do that this year. Let's do it. Now, no sermon would, would be fulfilled or complete without a quote from Carrie Underwood. Don't y'all think? <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? No. <laughs> Carrie Underwood, do y'all remember the song, Jesus Take the Wheel? How about let's let Jesus take the wheel this year? Go back and look at those lyrics I did yesterday because I thought about this. They're actually pretty solid. They're actually pretty solid. Jesus, take the wheel, take, my, take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. That's pretty good. How about let's, let's let him take the wheel out of Jesus' hand. John can't stand it. Let's let him try to take the wheel. Let's take the wheel. I lost you all on that one. How about reflecting on 2023 on the number of days when you were the king and you were the driver in your life? Let's just not even give the wheel to ourselves. Let's let God have 100% control, not only that wheel, but your heart. It's going to be a daily battle. We're not going to be perfect. and you're going, to, you're going to fail some days, and that's okay. Rally the next day. The next day, commit. I'll be there for you. God, I'm... I will do this today. And then you will fail and you will confess and you'll say, I will do this today. Let's not be like the people who get the gym memberships and quit by February. Let's just continue on and on and on and encourage those around us to do the same thing. Let's do this in 2024 because God's power assures the future. How many of y'all played team sport before? Okay. There's a playbook, right? There's a playbook. You go and practice skills with your coach. You do drills. You work on the fundamentals. What about reading the playbook this year? Let's read the playbook. Let's get with our teammates and let's practice. Let's work on those fundamentals. Because when you do fail, go back to the fundamentals. Let's dig out, as Spurgeon says, let's find those grains of gold and truth. Because you can find one, it could change your whole day. And it might change someone else around you. And that's probably more important. How about practicing those skills in everyday life? Working the drills. Looking that Jesus is not only your rescuer and your redeemer, but he's also your sovereign leader and guide in life. Let's use that instead of things that sound good to us. Imagine this. Heather and I were talking about this yesterday. Imagine Adam and Eve in the garden if they had done that. How different future history would have been. 
Imagine if Eve, when she was deceived by the serpent, instead of going, okay. What if she said, wait a minute. I need to check with my father first. Adam, what do you think? Adam, Adam could have said, I need to check with my father first. How about doing that in everything you, that you do this year? Sounds good. I like it. He, he, he builds us to be decisive and create, but let's check with our heavenly father before we step. Psalm 139. We'll close up with this. Maybe this is something we all need to do more of. And be humble enough to do this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That could be a scary prayer sometimes. But it's a good one. Let's let the name above all names speak to us through that. Let's pray. 